You are listening to the podcast for Nerdy Christians, where faith meets fandom. Welcome to the show for progressive followers of Jesus, who also happen to love Hogwarts, Hobbits, and playing space French horns in a funeral march. This is Season 6, Episode 5, Freedom in Andor. I'm Adam Thomas, and I'm very happy to be sitting across the internet from Carrie Combs. Hi, Carrie. Hey, Adam. You were just blowing bubbles in a cup, and you should tell us, <laughs> tell our listeners why. So I'm a consummate throat clearer. As someone who has asthma and allergies, it feels like I always have to clear my throat. And my friend's voice teacher told me that, well, she told me via her, her voice teacher that um, throat clearing can be bad for your vocal cords, and that if you slowly blow bubbles in any liquid, but preferably water, um, it helps relax those muscles. So I have this amazing rubber straw that I got as part of a swag bag for my staff retreat, and it now sits in my water cup and goes to the dishwasher, of course. And I was blowing bubbles while Adam was doing the intro. And hopefully that means I won't be as groggy because as always, we are recording in the morning. So no matter wherever you are, it's morning for us. Indeed, it is morning. It is a beautiful day. And we are going to talk about what I consider the best new Star Wars uh, content since Disney took over Lucasfilm, um, mm-hmm. and that is the show Andor. I know that's maybe a controversial opinion, but uh, I absolutely adore this show, and we're going to be talking about one particular element of it today, uh, focusing on the final episode. So if you have not seen Andor on Disney+, Plus, I highly recommend it. Uh, as Carrie will tell you, it does start a little slow, but it picks up as the story ramps up and it gets more and more mm-hmm. dramatic and, and su- suspenseful. Um, so uh, it's fabulous. It's it's well written, well acted, well shot, uh, good scenery uh, and just a, a wonderful TV show. Very, But very dramatic, very serious. Mm-hmm. And if you like me are a character driven person, you like the character development, seeing the I guess call it radicalization of Cassie and Andor. Like this is a prequel to Rogue One. We all know where he ends up. Um, he ends up helping steal those Death Star plans and the end. But this is how he got to there. Um, I've seen some some commentary online about different properties in the new Star Wars. And they're like artificial battle lines drawn around various content. And what my favorite Star Wars YouTuber plug Star Wars explained on YouTube, they're fabulous. Um, uh, what they say, and I love this, is that Star Wars is something for everyone. And it's amazing that a universe mm. is created where you can have this incredibly serious drama about people reacting to the rise of the Empire in the galaxy. Side by side with silly animation side by side with the new Ahsoka show, which just ended, which is very much more on the fantasy side of Star Wars, Mm. where Andor is very much on the gritty realism side of Star Mm. Wars. And all of those things exist within the same universe. And I think it's fabulous. And you don't have to decide which one is better or worse or which one belongs in Star Wars. They're all part of the same universe. And I think that's great. Yeah. And I like that Disney Plus is doing a good job of curating the content. I haven't done it yet, but they have playlists of like the most important Clone Wars episodes. So if you like me do not want to watch all of the Clone Wars or it's kind of hard to 
set aside that time and imagine getting into it by watching all of them, they've picked out the best ones or the best ones that relate to certain other shows. So you mm-hmm. can kind of understand the continuity. And I really, I really appreciate that as yeah. a casual viewer, as someone who does not have a favorite Star Wars YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's um, roll into our scripture mm-hmm. nerd quotes today. You want to do scripture today? Yeah, I'm happy to. So our scripture quotation today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 20. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been raised. On the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, as he normally did, and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, Today, the scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. And our nerd quote comes from Nemec's Manifesto from Andor. Nemec records in his manifesto, remember this, freedom is a pure idea. It occurs spontaneously and without instruction. Random acts of insurrection are occurring constantly throughout the galaxy. There are whole armies, battalions that have no idea that they've already enlisted in the cause. Remember that the frontier of the rebellion is everywhere, and even the smallest act of insurrection pushes our lines forward. So in terms of good writing, I love how the writers unrolled Nemec's manifesto, because when you first meet him, he's kind of this goofy kid. They're all living in the woods. He's not He's very serious in a way that invites you to not take him seriously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think yeah. I think seeing this like idealistic young guy, it's easy to dismiss. Oh, he's writing a manifesto. Yeah. But the way they, I mean, the in that episode, spoilers, please, please pause and watch the whole show, at least if you haven't seen it or just roll with the spoilers. Spoilers, he dies. And you kind of forget it, or I forgot about him for a few episodes. And then in the last episode... Cassian is finally able to listen to this manifesto. It was left for him by Nemec. Nemec wanted him specifically to have it. And we get this incredible sermon about power, tyranny, freedom, and liberation um, that is just so well-written and inspiring. The idea that it's it's a it's something that pushes, I think, Cassian onwards that as he's on the brink of this path of becoming a full-on rebel, you know, take me in or kill me, as he says at the very end. Nemec says there are times when the struggle seems impossible, that they are, you know, this little band of people in the woods trying their best to do one one small thing, just heist a bunch of money. That's it. It seems small, it seems insignificant. And yet he's able to see how they're connected to all, all these little acts of rebellion all around the galaxy that are all eventually going to roll into one. And 
naming that there is, you know, one kind of like the straw that breaks the camel's back. He says, one single thing will break the siege. Remember this, try. And then Mm -hmm. we see in this episode, at least in Cassian's life, that who then leads to getting the Death Star plans, which is the thing that allows for the destruction of the Death Star the first time. That's what that's what breaks the siege. Yeah. So what we're seeing here is the beginning of Cassian's move from this person who just wants to keep his head down and survive. He's out for himself and his family, his family being his adopted mother, Marva, and his droid. Played by Petunia Dursley. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Thank you. Yes. We have to mention Petunia we Dursley. We all wonder what she, what she got up to after... After um, Harry Potter. After they went after they went to hiding in book oh, yes. seven. <laughs> <laughs> she, she went to a galaxy far, far away. So also we, we, Arabella we Fig. Oh yeah. In this show. Okay, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> we love no, I making can't up help these it. fanfics. Um but so Cassian at the beginning, he just wants to keep his head down and be, you know, just do his thing, scrape by and and he has this idea at the beginning of the show that the Empire is so big that and so um, so powerful that there's no reason why anybody should ever try to oppose it because what the heck is that going to do? And it's not until he is minding his own business one day, literally mining, mm-hmm. literally minding his own business that he gets arrested for no reason and put in jail for the rest of his life. And that's when he realizes, Oh, this is what the empire is actually capable of. They don't actually have any rules besides do what needs to be done to maintain control. And yeah. I love the fact that we go back and forth in this show between Cassian and the rebels, the nascent rebellion, and the in, uh, Imperial Security Bureau, the ISB. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is the first time we've ever seen the ISB, one, in live action. There, There's a little bit in some of the books and a little bit in some of the animation. But this is the first time we're really in the inner workings of the ISB. And it's fascinating to see their motivations for things. Mm-hmm. Um, and how the rebels are pushing back on those motivations, um, because the whole point of the empire is to control everything so that the empire can get uh, bigger and bigger can, and consume resources. That's mm-hmm. its, that's that its main familiar. goal. Yeah. It's consuming resources. And in, and it, and in order to make itself grow, it needs to consume more resources. And, and then it's just a, you know, a cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that on Cassian's home planet um of uh canary in the first three episodes this is actually pre 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 um empire he's his planet is strip mined by the mm-hmm. um by the galactic republic oh i mean that's not the empire um the empire is too new mm-hmm. uh, for that um so all of that takes place earlier um anyway so i'm, I'm kind of rambling now about star wars history <laughs> always, always good to have yes. a lore expert. Yes. The, uh, the Empire begins in 18 BBY. <laughs> it really didn't last that long then. The, the full Empire. Well, yeah, the the, the well, Super and that's short. what Nemec says, right? He, yeah, he says, it's unnatural. It's unnatural to try to control people. That's my favorite line in this entire show. Uh, well, there's two. One is pan- power doesn't panic, which Cassian says to um, Smeagol. Gone. Oh. <laughs> Andy Circus. Andy Circus uh, in, in the prison. Uh, but my favorite line, though, is freedom is a pure idea. It occurs spontaneously mm-hmm. and without instruction. Whereas control 
is brittle and repression is brittle, freedom is elastic. It continues. To, it, it just is. It exists as just a thought in one's mind, whereas control has to be placed on top of that. Tyranny requires constant effort. It breaks, it leaks. Authority is brittle is what Nemec says. Mm, yeah, right. Yeah. And I love because it because it's unnatural, because it's imposed upon people. And I think that that constant effort is what we see when we look at the ISB's side of the story. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I'm a character person. I was entranced by these characters on the inside. I kind of hoped that they would become radicalized so I could justify liking them because they're interesting, complex people. They're not just a British accent in a black suit. Um, they're real people and you get to see them, you know, at home with their mother, Arabella Fig, getting chastised. It's weird because the show gets you to sort of root for Deirdre, the ISBH, the main one we're following, because she is rising up in the ranks and there's people who are jockeying for position and they're kind of awful. And mm -hmm. then she goes to Ferrix and tortures Bix in an absolutely horrendous way, making her listen yeah. to the sounds of children dying. Uh, so we want to like this this Deirdre character, Deirdre's character, but we can't because she's no. a torturer and a horrible ISB agent. And then on the other and, and yet at the same time, we have this guy who falls in love with her, you know? Oh, I didn't think about that. I thought he was just like very professionally. Oh, man. Oh, I think he's intense. totally I think he's totally crushing. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I, I'm not good at recognizing that on screen or, or off i guess <laughs> whether or not he is crushing i think she think i think she thinks he's crushing because she pushes him away at several turns in a oh yeah in, in a way that it, it yeah anyway that's not what we want to talk about today but um so we see the isb side and you, you're right they they keep having to um adapt to the things that the rebels are doing that they only have a shadowy grasp on Mm -hmm. Right. And the main ISB guy uh, talks about how what the ISB is, is like a um, they're like antibodies fighting a disease mm, early on. Which is totally it, it pops up spontaneously. Yeah. 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 Freedom is the disease here. Freedom, yeah. right? And we have to fight that disease. That's that's their perspective uh, and all in service of the emperor. Um, and uh, and on the other side, we have these rebels and. Cassian, over the course of this series, through conversations with people like Nemec, um, and then his own experience in the prison, mm. recognizes that you can't just sit idly by and you can't just keep your head down, that the Empire yeah. is going to take over your life one way or another. And alongside Cassian, we see kind of the radicalization of the people of Ferrix. So that's the planet that he ends up on, you know, growing up with Marva, his adoptive mother, who rescues him from Canari. And this is a place where people like him just want to get by. There's a little bit of nefarious activity with Bix and, um, you know, contacting outside world smuggling items. But mostly it's people who are working hard, getting stuff done. Brasso, his his good friend, just wants him to go do his shift in the mines. That's I all. I love Brasso, by the way. I just love oh, that guy. And, and we see, so maybe using him as an example, he goes from just, you know, sit, uh, you know, do your job, Cassian, get your paycheck, it'll be fine. To literally taking Marva's funeral stone, which is like her cremains, kind of made into a stone, and smacking someone in the face with it. 
during this riot that breaks out during Marva's funeral. And you can just feel the tension in that last episode as, you know, they want to have a funeral for this very important figure to the community. Um, the empire, the, you know, the ISB with Deirdre on the ground wants to give them only a little bit of space, you know, give them a square, hem them in, and it's all trapped to get Cassian to come and get captured. But in containing them, it's like a pressure cooker mm-hmm. um, with the the anger, the frustration, the new restrictions that have fallen upon these people, the French space marching band slowly coming through the streets, playing this dirge that turns into kind of like a clarion call for action. And then it, it culminates in Marva's speech. She's recorded a eulogy for herself that they play and at the very end, you know, she goes and she says, if I could do it again, I'd wake up early and be fighting these bastards from the start, fight the empire and the attempt of the ISB to restrict the eulogy, to to stop it, to take poor B2 emo, emo and kick him oh, I um, love that and, and cover him. You know, the poor droid. Um, that is what sets off this re- rebellion basically this riot but it, it's a rebellion on Ferrix itself so alongside cassian you see his hometown becoming a place where freedom is breaking out where oppression is being fought where you can't just kick this droid who's trying to have a woman's eulogy shared <laughs> no um and yeah. marva's marva's kind of like not in life she was able to do this but in death she is inspiring these people to fight back is really incredible yeah, and it's not until the ISB and the Empire take control of Ferrix that we see mm-hmm. that radicalization. At the beginning of the show, Ferrix is under the control of the Corpos, but not the Empire. I mean, overall, of course, it's the Empire, but they're mm-hmm. not there on the ground. Um, and then once there are boots on the ground from the stormtroopers and they take over the hotel and all that, now they're actually being surveilled and the people realize, oh, this is what Imperial control feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, and close. at the beginning, when it's just the Corpos who are there um, and they're they're tracking down Cassian and Luthen. Mm-hmm. Everybody on Ferrix starts uh, playing like like banging metal things to alert yeah. Cassian that there are people after him. And so we see the togetherness of this community at the beginning. Um, mm. But none of them are there ready to actually jump in and stop the corpos at this point in mm-hmm. the story. They're ready to warn Cassian, but they're not going to mm-hmm. they're not going to jump in except maybe Bix. Um, and then once the fight starts now, it's like, oh, wait, what do we do? And there's a few people fighting. Brasso goes and he t- attaches the tether to the to the landing craft. Oh yeah, which I, I love that moment because you, you just see him walking away, knowing what knowing what's about to happen. Um, but it's but then at the very end of the story, so that's at the beginning, and at the end of the story, they do have this um, this riot um, because, as you said, that pressure cooker has been so has been stoked for so long that there's only one thing that they can do at that point. In the midst of that fight, Cassian is saving Bix. He's not actually fighting. We we know that Cassian later in the story is really more of a spy than a fighter. Um, and so here we see him infiltrating. And earlier on in the story, he says about the Empire, you know, you just walk in. They don't even care. 
They, they're so mm-hmm. fat and and happy and content about themselves that they, they don't expect anybody to have enough confidence to take them on. Mm-hmm. And that's really their downfall. Um, and then, um, and so he just, he's able to walk right into the hotel and save Bix while they're all distracted by the fight at the end. Um, and Marva, um, you, you talked about the, this town kind of radicalizing over the course of the story. In Marva's speech, she says, we kept the trade lanes open and they left us alone. We took their money and ignored them. We kept their engines churning. And the moment they pulled away, we forgot them because we had each other. We had Ferrix, but we mm. were sleeping. I've been sleeping and I've been turning away from the truth I wanted not to face. There is a wound that won't heal at the center of the galaxy uh, and a darkness reaching like rust into everything around it. We let it grow and now it's here. It's here and it's not visiting anymore and then she calls the empire a disease just like the Mm. empire had or the isb guy had called freedom a disease uh, at the beginning of the story and and we see i think in marva's speech she embodies digitally holographically the idea that power doesn't panic she is confident just like cassian walking with authority into the hotel and rescuing bix she's able to project this confidence, this strength in her conviction. So I think we see the balance between complacency, which allows for oppression to flourish. Um, We've been asleep, she says, as long as they had each other, they were okay, but they were slowly being crushed. And then the empire's total like tight-fisted control on the other side, somewhere in the middle is confidence, authority, strength, and the strength of convictions who are a- and the people who are able to actually to, to live somewhere in the middle. Um, and that's what the rebellion, that's where the rebellion is. And that's what we see with Mon Mothma's storyline, the senator who I know later on as the lady with the cool hair who stands in front of the holograms in yeah. the original movies. <laughs> Return of the Jedi, um, yeah. There you go. She has so much pressure put on her, and yet she is always cool, calm, and collected, always the politician Luthen the same way. He is balancing all of these plots. He's taking lives into account and tallying up the damages. And as he says in this episode, I believe, like he knows that he's lost. He's, you know, planting seeds in a garden that he will never see, as uh, Hamilton said, the musical, not the <laughs> real person, I assume. Um, and all of these rebels that are kind of leading the movement are in that middle place between complacency and panic. Mm, And I just, mm -hmm. I like seeing, and that's really what the original series, you know, when the rebels are not a chaotic disorganized band, they have a strong center Mm -hmm. and they're, they're working to heal that wound. Luthen is an interesting character in this series because you never really know what his motivations are and you never Mm. really trust him. We know why we don't trust him. It's because he's moving pieces on a chessboard, not really taking into account people's lives. He's got mm-hmm. a larger game that he's playing, which is why he sacrifices a couple of dozen rebels mm-hmm. um, it, in order to make sure that they don't uncover the ISB mole that he has. But Luthen also, he he does the, the, the heist, um, stealing the payroll, because he knows it's going to make the Empire overreact. Mm, and, so he gets them to panic. He gets them to panic and to set up these new sentencing guidelines and these new controls, which is what gets Cassian arrested, right? Um, and then sent to prison. Uh, but he's trying to turn up the heat. He's trying to make people wake up 
by showing what the empire is really capable of. And so in the heist really is, it's only partially about the money. It's mostly about knowing that the empire is going to overreact to what happened and, and make the Hmm. galaxy, make the people of the galaxy wake up a little bit more and go, Oh, this is what the empire is really capable of because it's really easy to get used to things Mm -hmm. and just assume that everything is normal. That's the thing about Nemec's manifesto. When he talks about, um, when he talks about tyranny requires constant effort, um, it breaks, it leaks, authority is brittle. Uh, that's true. And it's easy to get used to whatever structure there is around you. We had each other, we had Ferrix, but we were sleeping. Exactly. Exactly. And so what the story is, is it uses Cassian as a character to show that um, that waking up process both from uh, other characters outside who are influencing him like Nemec, and then also his own experience in the prison when it's very clear that he was arrested just to become basically a slave, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, an incarcerated slave because they're never going to get out of that prison. Well, and, that, and that's what breaks out the prison rebellion is the knowledge that they're not going anywhere. So those clocks at the end of their beds don't mean anything. Yeah. The, time, the timer is arbitrary. And that's where the biggest advocate of head down on program there on is program. Um, Andy Circus, whose character's name I currently forget. Um that's what radicalizes him. Kino Loy, I think is his name. Kino Loy. Well, all right, I'm gonna call him Gollum. The moment Gollum <laughs> finds out that he's not going anywhere in two hundred odd days when his timer runs out, he just flips and he's like, yeah. we're doing this. And the way that they do that scene is fantastic because Cassian has been asking him how many guards there are over the course of the whole episode. And right. the moment that he realizes that nothing, nothing that he was told is true, that he's going to get out in a couple of months. No, it's not true. He has this incredibly intense look on his face and he says, never more than 12. And so we see that by uncovering the lies of the empire, by recognizing that this control is both here to stay and is going to tighten. That's what makes people recognize the pure idea of freedom that Nemec talks about in his manifesto. He says, again, he says, freedom is a pure idea. Um, Freedom is a pure idea. It occurs spontaneously and without instruction. Whereas the other things have to be put upon, is a structure placed upon, an unnatural structure placed upon uh, freedom occurs spontaneously. And so the more there is that squeezing of the empire, the more freedom is just going to occur, pop into people's minds and say, no, this is wrong. Uh, And it reminds me of what Princess Leia says in the first Star Wars movie. She says to Tarkin, um, the more you tighten your grip, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. Mm. And I think so connecting this back to being Jesus followers. We believe in a God of liberation, of freedom from oppression. And the Christian gospel message has been used horribly to oppress people, but in its most, I'd say like pure, uh, righteous, the ways it's been used, it has been used to liberate people as a a guiding star, much like Nemec's manifesto does for Cassian. It encourages, uh, it shakes us out of complacency. I think, um, is especially with the way the way the world is, see all of the things going on. It's easy to dissociate, to want to dissociate and ignore, keep our heads down, and that 
can be useful in some ways to keep us healthy and and frankly sane in a much larger world than our brains are really set up to handle that level of connection and empathy for billions of people, not just like a hundred neighbors. But we also can't slip too far into complacency. We have to be somewhere in that middle ground, that strength, that confidence, you know, power doesn't panic in order to be doing the good work that we're called to do as Jesus followers. And we have to remember when we look at the gospel that Jesus lives in a in a society that's suffering under oppression. The mm. rule of the Roman Empire is very similar to the rule of the empire, the empire in Star Wars. I mean, empire, there's really only one way for an empire to act, which is to try to control mm-hmm. its, the populaces that it conquers. Um, and we see that down throughout history. And one of the things that makes Star Wars a, a kind of a radical piece of literature is that the whole story from start to finish is about recognizing um, recognizing this uh, the, the abuses of power and trying to stand against them. Mm-hmm. And we see, I mean, it's one of the things that makes the, the, the prequel trilogy actually really interesting, um, even though the movies themselves aren't very good. Mm. But what they talk about is this, you know, the rise of the empires is really fascinating. So Jesus lived in that in a place of oppression and he mm-hmm. was an oppressed one, as James Cone says in um, some of his uh, books on theology and recognizing that Jesus is coming from this place um, that he's not coming from a place of power. He's not standing uh, in the middle of, you know, the Roman emperor's house and saying, okay, this is how it's going to be. He's born in a borrowed bed on the mm. outskirts of the empire, you know, a little bit, I mean, I'm, I'm linking Jesus and Cassian a little bit here, right. Yeah. You know, that, that, um, Cassian is from this backwater world, um, and has no power whatsoever. Uh, and yet he over time gains this, this, uh, confidence, um, to, start making changes in his life and then in the life of the whole rebellion. Um, Jesus recognizes that his society needs liberation, not just from the Roman empire, Hmm. but from the, everything that shackles us from the, from the true people that God is calling us to be, that it's bigger than just one imperial program. Right. uh, You know? Um, And yet, so, so that's why his first sermon here, that we read at the beginning is so important. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah. Um, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent mm-hmm. me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the, that's the Jubilee year, right? The Jubilee year where people's debts were forgiven and people were uh, let out of debt slavery and, mm-hmm. and all those things. Right. And he says today, this is, this is happening now. Wake up. I mean, how often does he say wake up in the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and recognize that we can create this uh, this movement of liberation together, um, that, that people have that pure idea of freedom in their minds. And Jesus, through his ministry, is helping people to grasp that idea and embrace it and to um, live as if their lives depended on it, which they do. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast for Nerdy Christians. Please give us a rating or review on your podcast app of choice so others can discover us too. You can find us at nerdychristians.com.
You can find all nine of Adam's fantasy novels on his website, adamthomas.net. Sign up for his bi-monthly author's newsletter to receive a free PDF of his novella, Highest Stakes, a memoir and manual about my life as a vampire hunter. And as always, you can find both of us right here on the next episode of the podcast for Nerdy Christians, where faith meets fandom. May the God who creates us, liberates us, and inspires us grant you the freedom to discover who you truly are, where you are meant to be, and how you will make a difference in this world. God is with you, calling you into God's mission of healing and reconciliation. Remember this. Amen. Amen.